People think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk, and we're going to be hopscotching around the states today. Yes, we're going to be talking about lessons learned from Hurricane Katrina. I loved Hurricane Katrina. You loved Hurricane Katrina? No, or, I just or, like the name Katrina. Oh, I hate it. was our nation's worst storm. It Can wasn't really co- considered. Oh my goodness! Because yes. I, you know, I grew up in Virginia Beach, and we had our share of storms. You know. Oh, I think Hurricane Katrina um, had more devastation than any other storm in the history of our country. And such a great city of New Orleans. You know, I just I visited New Orleans a couple of times, and I just love New Orleans. It just I I love music and just visiting there, and just to see all those people in just such devastation. The events that unfolded uh, in before us on the news were just, oh my God, I, it was like you were watching this movie, it, like it wasn't real. I know, and, and, the, and the only thing I could think of is, oh my gosh, you know, because of being a kidney patient is what's happening with these kidney right? patients? Where are they getting dialysis? Where are they getting their meds for the transplant yes, drugs? Yes, you, you see know? them wading through the water and you know that they have PD catheters and you know, like, oh my goodness, how... How do you survive? And you just know, the stress alone, I think, exactly. would make things worse. I mean, it was just devastating. Our guests today include Dr. Paul Miller. He is the medical director of Miller Dialysis, who came to the rescue of many displaced dialysis patients, as well as we're going to have Bradley Mayfield, who is a kidney patient. He's been on dialysis for six years. What an unusual name for his uh, dialysis unit, the Miller Dialysis. Miller Dialysis. I know. It's like a I mean, connection. did he come up with that? <laughs> Dr. Miller. Paul Miller, and he has a, uh, a place called Miller Dialysis. I know. That's Fanta- pretty That's better than Dialysis R Us or something like that, because I wouldn't try trust anything like that. Well, we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Dr. Paul Miller and Bradley and they're going to they they were in uh, the front lines of this storm. They're going to tell us what they learned and you know how they can really help us to be prepared in the future. I mean, everybody listening, you know, there could be something that could happen. You just never know and it, the key is to be prepared. Hello. Hi mom. Boy, that was some storm last night, huh? We actually lost power for a few minutes. Oh, you think that was bad? You should have seen the one back in 52. Well, now that you're on dialysis, you should really have a plan in case of an emergency. Ha! Last emergency I had was when you got your head stuck in the hamster cage. Scared the little fella to death. Those big eyes just staring at him. I'm talking about emergencies, like severe weather, earthquakes, or power outages. What if there was no water or transportation to get you to dialysis? It's important to be prepared. You mean like carrying important medical information? Or asking your facility for alternative arrangements for treatment? Or preparing emergency stock of supplies, foods, and medicines? Or learning what diet to follow if your dialysis must be delayed? You already knew all this? I've got to run, Sonny. I'm late for taekwondo. Bye, Mom. This public service announcement was produced for Kidney Talk, a weekly show produced by Renal Support Network. Listen to Kidney Talk 24-7 at rsnhope.org. Now with the saints, 
the marching men when the saints go marching in. Yes, I want to be in that number. Yes, when the saints go marching in. Well, we're here with Dr. Paul Miller and Bradley Mayfield. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And you're you're all the way in in, in New Orleans. Well, we're actually outside of New Orleans. We're actually closer to Lafayette. Uh, we're very fortunate that we're actually not in New Orleans. Not anymore. Ah, <laughs> I love your accent. <laughs> Stephen's into accents. We want to talk a little bit about today. It's been a year since we had Hurricane Katrina, and I know both of you were right in the midst of everything. We saw so many images from TV about Hurricane Katrina. What was it like there? Um, you know, you're as a nephrologist, as a person who had to be on dialysis. Can you take us back to that time? Well, um, as Dr. Miller said, we're fortunate enough that we weren't exactly in the heart of all the devastation. But uh, for myself as a patient, seeing that size storm approaching the area, my first concern was how is it going to impact my ability to get the necessary treatment I need. And uh, fortunately, because of some of the precautions that Dr. Miller has taken with his center, I did not have very much to worry about. Uh, A couple of years ago, we had a large storm, and uh, that was a big concern because of the electricity and the water supplies. But with some of the precautions we have at this clinic, um, I I had uh, more peace of mind about that because we were prepared for it. How did they prepare you? Uh, We we get a lot of information here, uh, literature, as well as video and audio information. Uh, We have television sets which are assigned to each treatment station. So from time to time, periodically, we'll get uh, videos that Dr. Miller and his staff will provide for us um, in regard to emergency preparedness, as well as um, information that's handed out to us on a weekly basis. Now, did you lose power during the uh, storm? Was the electricity out? We were very, very fortunate. It was out, but most of the patients didn't realize that. We, we have a generator backup, and uh, we, we also have uh, water backup, and so we have plants. We're very, very fortunate also because we're in the same grid as, uh, as uh, a very critical aspect of the area, and so we, we were first to come back with everything. And, and, and most patients and most facilities don't understand that is uh, when they're out of power, most grids have a backup situation, even like in California when it was out in the, in the big blackouts, is that it depends on what your priority is. The electricity can be rerouted even from California over here through different networks. If it's broken at the actual uh, you know, line coming right into the facility, that's another thing. But if it's outage and there's a, a different route, most facilities don't understand there is a true back plan. It's just, you know, it has to be prioritized. So that's where all our electricity is going. <laughs> that's a, that is a very good comment. I'd like to think it was humorous, but, you know, when we fight for patients' lives and we worry about these disasters, it's good to know in advance of all the little tricks that they don't tell you. And we are very aggressive at trying to find out the tricks, and we still don't know them all, the utility companies. And, and like a comment with Brad said, you know, we have a, 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 the buddy system. Each patient, each facility, what happens is that if something happens that's un, un, just unplanned like oh we're fortunate hurricanes generally five days of planning but if you don't have that the basic things are 
you need to know where you can go to if you cannot communicate. And, and we're going to be publishing something that's coming out that's going to, that's going to basically expand that uh, through the KSERC, and um, it's going to, going to let everyone know a little bit of backup plans. We're trying to set up these DIP sites, DIPP, Disaster Information Public Posts, so that patients know in advance the private sector, public sector areas like gas stations, uh, Lowe's, Home Depot, other type of facilities who have backup satellite and generate capability. We're going to try to communicate with those facilities through the ESRD networks as clearinghouses to inform patients if they have to bug out without pre-advanced warning that they can go to these facilities and there'll be a public bulletin board. It's a kind of expanded broadcast, emergency broadcast system that will be alerted to say, you know what, show up at this location. This is your meeting place. This is the safe area. We will come to get you. We'll take you. Don't worry. Peace of mind. And that, that is what we really fight for is what your question hit on is, what is your advanced planning? Well, you um, actually took a care of a lot of patients that were in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Were these patients prepared at all, or did they have any idea? Um, how long had some of them gone without dialysis when you started taking care of them? We took care of hundreds of patients. We set up a kidney express, a, a makeshift transportation uh, shuttle. And Brad, i got to tell you, Brad is so wonderful. He has a, a chauffeur's license, so he volunteered to try to help out. We try to involve patients in everything we do. It's so important. Well, we did after Hurricane Lily four years ago. Um, we, in 2001, or actually five years ago almost now, right. what we did is we set up a uh, statewide uh, deep disaster emergency evacuation plan for uh, the kidney community, and uh, it was to be a prototype to go nationwide. And what we did on that is we recognized and identified the major areas of deficiencies, in, and it could be crossed over for most disasters, transportation, shelter, and uh, communication. And so what we said with that is, look, Transportation is a key issue, especially for patients who have socioeconomic issues, don't have transportation, uh, they have limited communication ability, no phones. So what we try to do is identify all the needs through a needs analysis. When this hurricane hit Katrina on 29th of August last year, what we had in place was, was not complete, but at least we had a plan so we didn't have to study it after the fact. So we immediately developed it. We went to areas to extract patients where they would aggregate or collect, We'd bring them and disseminate them to specially designated dialysis shelters. Now, there is no specially designated dialysis shelter. That's kind of a, you know, trying to add my humor here. I'm not as good as you <laughs> And that was our point, is that we proved during disaster, if you had specially designated pre-disaster kind of bomb shelters, let's say, like the old philosophy, then patients wouldn't have to rely on some communication system. Whatever system, by hook or by crook, you get there, you will get your service needs, we will take care of you in the perimeter areas. We will take care of your needs. And that's what we did through the gracefulness of the faith-based organizations, so kind to set up these wonderful shelters throughout Louisiana. And so we would transport patients to them, and we would stage them like you do in, 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 the, in the battle zone. And, and I'll say that. My brother's a, a, a trauma surgeon for the Army. And, it, you know, when you're in the battle zone, you treat, triage if necessary, and you transport. And that was the basic essence of what worked for here, is get them out in waves distally where they, their needs can be taken care of appropriately, number one, for their health to prevent the problems that we can expect. And we were very lucky. Patients, we saw patients here that didn't dialyze for six, seven, or more days. Right. And to be honest with you, when we talk about that timeline to treatment, it, it, it's amazing because it's so variable for patients. 
And, and um, that, you know, it, it's amazing. It's grace of the Lord that, that so many people were saved. So some of the patients went without dialysis for six or seven days. Um, some of them more than that, and some of them would only drink water because in very little amounts because they said, I don't want my potassium to go up. And that's how we knew when you ask about preparedness. As a group, I have to tell you, it's a biased group because a lot of the patients fled from New Orleans. So we only saw the ones who could not leave, essentially, or who were evac'd out through certain services, or for whatever reason, it got stuck, and we ended up with them. So the majority of patients we saw were not the early birds that left in the light of the day. These are the ones who, who had to swim through flooded waters right. with perineal dialysis catheters or, or fishless or, or dialysis, hemodialysis catheters. These were survivors, and, and i got to tell you that, that when you see that, if people, this was, a, you know, for us it was a major disaster, but... You know, when you see trauma and you see large-scale disasters like earthquakes, tsunamis, it, it, it's amazing what, what the patient's inspiration you get from that will to live that you see. It makes, makes it's very emotional, makes us very, very, feel very passionate about what we do and trying to help other people. And it's, it's, it's a gift to, to, from God that we got to see so many saved people. Well, uh, you have so much information, and when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about some of the ways that patients can prepare and what lessons you learned. And maybe give an example, Brad, of a patient that you worked with or transported and how lucky they were that they felt that they were prepared. So we'll be right back from Jazz Town. When you think back about your high school years, one of the strongest memories people have is their prom. It's their one night to shine, one night to dance the night away, one night to ride in a stretch limo, one night to feel like a star. This January 14th, the Renal Support Network will hold its eighth annual premiere event, the Renal Teen Prom. This is the chance for teens to stop thinking about the needle sticks, the PD exchanges, and the constant meds they have to take. For one night, they celebrate their life with hundreds of other teen kidney patients, and the only prescription is, have the time of your life. So this January 14th, join us on the campus of prestigious Notre Dame High School in Sherman Oaks, California. The prom features live entertainment, a renal-friendly dinner, dancing, limo rides, glamour photos, and Hollywood celebrities. And get this, it's absolutely free. To receive an invitation or make a donation to an Evening Among the Stars renal teen prom, Visit rsnhope.org or call 818-543-0896. That's 818-543-0896. You've got the power to brighten someone's life. This is your chance to shine like the stars. What's the secret ingredient for delicious yet healthier meals? Why, Mrs. Dash seasoning blends, of course. The 12 varieties of Mrs. Dash are all made up with a unique blend of 14 natural herbs and spices to make side dishes snap, potato pop, and dinner dates unbelievable. And since Mrs. Dash has always been salt-free with no MSG, you can create great-tasting meals full of only one thing, mouth-watering flavor. Here's an easy-to-make, healthy recipe idea. Coat some boneless chicken breast in a mixture of Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, and Mrs. Dash Original Blend. Saute in extra virgin olive oil until done. Then give a small squeeze of fresh lemon juice and serve over your favorite pasta. Yum! Doesn't that sound good? Well, for more information, visit MrsDash.com. Mrs. Dash, salt-free, flavorful. 
winter saints go marching then when the saints go marching then yes i want to be in that number yes when the saints go marching then um, well, tell us about what's the most important things if you were getting ready to prepare for a hurricane that's coming in. What are the things that you learned that you could improve on and what you did well? Um, some of the patients that we did receive here um, from the New Orleans area were some of those patients, as Dr. Miller mentioned, that had not had a treatment for several days. And so one of the things that we discussed um, as we were waiting uh, for the buses to unload was that uh, having uh, a dietary plan already prepared, having some non-perishable food items already stored and packed in a, in a particular place where if you do have to leave in a hurry, you can just grab that bag and go and know that you have what you need in there for three to five days or five to seven days and it would be a plan, a dietary plan that is designed to minimize the impact that you would have on your body in case that you don't get treatment for those days. In, in preparing and planning, it's very important that the patient know exactly their contact information. Through the KCIRC or Kidney Community Emergency Response Coalition, the numbers are posted now on the National Kidney website, uh, www.kidney.org help where it lists the resources available. The problem is, is that most people, when you have widespread disasters, do not have access to Internet or email without these, these local uh, dip sites where they can get on. And, and preparing, knowing the resources, knowing uh, exactly what the contact information is, not just for themselves, but for whoever the responders are who come into contact with them, and having an extra prescription at some type of large facility, like, you know, I won't, I won't name any, any uh, but large chain pharmacies, because at least those prescriptions can carry over out of state in case they're evac'd out of state, so they don't have to wait and be delayed. And that was one of the biggest problems were pharmaceutical uh, supplies that, thank goodness, some of those companies came through with. So you really need to have, you know, how many days do you think you need to have on hand for medication? I'm Extra prescription. It's very simple that on those large chains, a physician can call, and if they don't have privileges in another state or state-acknowledged kind of privileges, you can call in in advance and keep on hand an extra refill that's documented in the computer, and it is interoperable. It's communicated out of state. So if you go to, uh, let's say, I don't want to name any names, but let's say your local large chain on the corner uh, drugstore, and your physician says, you know what, I'm going to give you extra refills. So no matter what, I always have an extra one-month refill here so that, or two months, typically we do six months for chronic medications like hypertension, diabetes, so that it's there, it is, they can access it from anywhere around the country through that chain store. That is the best thing, and that's going to come out on those recommendations you're going to see. Yeah, we, we never mention chain names like Rite Aid or Long's. <laughs> Save on, no, we don't we No, don't we say don't those. mention those at all. You know, it must be really hard to stay on a renal diet in New Orleans because the food is so great there. I know, and it, I've been there, and it doesn't seem to be the renal-friendly food like, uh, you know, we have here in California. <laughs> Well, it's a matter of moderation. No, really? <laughs> you have one half of a beignet. Disaster occurs. You have to make do with what you have. And, and I'll tell you, the faith-based organizations did wonderful jobs trying to prepare. But when you prepare for several hundred or several thousand patients 
in shelters for food, whether it be the Salvation Army, whether it be the Red Cross or some other faith-based or other type of entity. It is impossible to have 100% compliance on that diet. It simply is moderation and survival, and we have to work with the best thing that we have. So when you had a food line, you didn't divide it into low sodium and regular then? Well, we ended up getting that way in the faith that we did, but at first we were so grateful that any organization was going to help, help with the food. I mean, you can imagine, and I'll, I'll lay out some rural brief for you, is that when, when we knew this disaster was coming, we called everybody, we, we stocked up for supplies, we notified the, the major companies to provide home dialysis and said, hey, look, we'll provide a site as, a, as a, a depot area. You tell us, we will transport supplies across the state to anyone who's stranded. Anything we have to do, we'll communicate. So we developed this network uh, all throughout the different providers, dialysis units. It was a very collaborative effort. I mean, up to, up to three busloads of dialysis patients at one time showed up in one shelter and hadn't dialyzed in six and seven days. We had to pull several of them off the bus because they were, they were dying in front of our... Uh, just, I'm, I'm surprised right. they, they were living. And we just immediately said, open up your doors. It's midnight. I don't care. We're going to dialyze and disseminate. We're going to get everybody cleaned up, and we're going to stage them, and we're going to move on. Is that true? Uh, you actually performed dialysis at a Walmart? Well, I'm going to go into that. We didn't have to. We set it up, and, and, a, and a major dialysis company, a, a, um, a supply equipment company, supported us, sent over 40 dialysis machines, uh, another home dialysis equipment maker was so great that they supported us. We had all the equipment at the door, um, and uh, I'll say it, FEMA, FEMA held us from, uh, from the access, so what we had to do is we expanded transportation, and we transported the patients through different units and facilities throughout the state and cross lines, so we never had to actually physically dialyze at the facility. Even though we were ready to go, we didn't have to do it, and I guess part of the reason is because FEMA blocked us. Uh, it was just <laughs> communication issues. And uh, the other reason is because when, when that plan didn't work, uh, we weren't going to wait around and saying it failed. We said, you know what, transportation is the key. Get them out, dialyze them somewhere else, and move them on to safe shelters where we can get, get support services for them without you know, the resource burden. When people are in an acute, large urban area, you can't handle the resources, the burden, when 20 25% of your patients are going to be in the, in the hospital at any one time. You want to take care of them in an appropriate, safe manner where in smaller areas where they have resources, where you're not pressed for time, where you're not rushing like cattle. And I mean, there's no way, better way to say it except that, you know, I come from the forum. We don't want to treat people like cattle. We want them to have safe treatments even in disaster times. Pre-planning is the key and knowing what your buddy system is. Don't wait for the government. Bahuka Bakruk. Get out and go to safe areas that are designated so you can be taken care of. Is there still a lot of people who are displaced and still living in temporary housing and dialyzing in a unit that may not be their permanent unit? Yes, ma'am. We still have some, and, and every just about every facility in Louisiana has someone that's displaced, whether it be permanently now with a new residence. Uh, and the, the nature of it is that you know when you lose 45 units down in, in one area, and then only maybe 20, 22 units are back up a year later, you're going to have uh, permanently displaced patients. And that's just the nature of it. But, yeah, we do see, still see a lot of uh, patients who, are, who call here now home. I imagine that it was a, a real bonding time for people. I mean, in a crisis, you make friends. You share that experience. You know, because <laughs> the tension's pretty high there, you know. And you're, you bring you're... that up about enemies. You know, that's a good point because... What people don't realize is when we, we, we took care of so many patients, and not just us, I want everybody to understand, this was a collaborative effort through so much, through different entities, federal, state, ESRD network, CMS, 
and, and that's a bonding not just with, with those entities but with the patients. When you take in those patients, do so well, and they love this, oh, great, and then Rita hit. Sister <laughs> Rita comes in and then pushes so many people from Houston to us, that's and right. it's a backwash. Even people who we had staged to Houston came back to see us, and they would say, Oh, it's good to see you again. And it was nice to say, you know what? <laughs> they said, oh, we want to go to Dr. Miller's clinic. We want to come over here and see Dr. Miller and, and, and all those patients. We like those people. And I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe we're treating them too good. I don't know. Maybe they, we, we can't handle We kept saying, it's not, we don't love you. We just, we, you know, we're a staging clinic. We're a disaster area. We want to be able to get you safe and out. Please don't take offense, but, you know, we got to get you for you can get chronic good therapy because you cannot treat everyone as a chronic dialysis patient with four hours when you have 50 or 100 patients coming to your door. Now, how much warning did you have that the hurricane was approaching? Because I know in, other, in some parts of the country, we think, you know, of things like earthquakes, you know, and we don't have any warning whatsoever. And you guys were given warning, right? Uh, how, much, how long of warning uh, time did you have? We had at least five days of warning of, you know what, hurricanes in the area. And we knew, even though Katrina took a 48-hour quick twist, we knew in advance, I mean, I'm not that young, that you cannot predict what Mother Nature is going to do. We've always been taught when that hurricane comes in through the Gulf, you prepare your family, you get your plan in action, because you will not have enough time. There won't be enough supplies in the store if you wait till the midnight hour. Is there were a lot of patients in New Orleans that, that did not have the resources, so the evacuation percent, the people who got out in time, was very, very few. And so that is the crime in this. This is a, they just didn't have the, the means to be able to get out of the way. Is that correct? Exactly right. And we begged and we pleaded. And the, the future response plan will be, we want you out of there before 48 hours. So that means if your dialysis unit is that you dialyze on a, on a, a Thursday and they call for an emergent evacuation on Friday, um, then you know what? We want you out of there before the contraflow or before the traffic starts because you've already lost on your timeline to treatment. You only have so much time. So if, you, if it takes you a day to get from A to B, which will be a staging area or shelter, then you're already three or four days behind the timeline for your next treatment. So you have to be set up with a plan of action and dialyze. And, in, and you mentioned it about, about non-planned disasters, and a lot of the same um, common themes or common factors that can mitigate that problem with the timeline, or there, communication, pre-designated shelters, transportation, or consistent in any of these disasters, knowing where to go to in advance empowers patients, self-empowered to be able to do things on their own or work with their buddy system to get out in time. Well, you just can't be too prepared. I guess that's the message. Well, Bradley, what are some closing points that you may want to say uh, to fellow patients out there listening? Uh, I would like to say that if the patients could work very closely with their team, their medical team, as far as uh, knowing where to go in the case of emergency, where to go to get additional information when disaster hits, and even having a plan, a secondary plan of if they have family, friends, um, anyone that's outside of their immediate area, let's say within a 100-mile radius, have a backup plan to uh, be able to travel to that point. And then from there, they can be dispersed out to other areas for treatment. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us, and, and we want to come visit you in Louisiana. 
Well, I want to thank you, and, and I want to thank you all so much for what you all do. It's very important what you all do in getting that message out and having the type of resource that you provide. And I, I really want to tell you that that timeline, patient individual timelines, they need to know their own health to know how long they can be without dialysis. Very critical. Right. Patients have to be responsible for themselves, too. Yes. Well, thank you again, and talk to you soon. Postman, here you go. Hmm. I won the million-dollar giveaway sweepstakes. Oh, I finally got my tax refund check. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe this. I got my order of Dairy Delicious! Oh, boy! Milkshakes, creamy soup, cereal with milk, and pudding! <laughs> Why is Mr. Smith so excited about his Dairy Delicious? I have a hint. You see, Mr. Smith is on dialysis, and Dairy Delicious is real milk especially created for kidney patients. It has half the potassium and half the phosphorus of regular 2% milk, but it has 100% of the flavor. Perfect for people who love dairy products and need to keep their lab values normal and dietitians happy. And most of all, it's delicious. Thousands who have tried Dairy Delicious sing its praises. See what I mean? To order your own Dairy Delicious and possibly get as excited as Mr. Smith here, call 1-877-4-DAIRY-7. That's 1-877-432-4797. Or visit DairyDelicious.com. Dairy healthy, dairy good, Dairy Delicious. The milk that's made for you. We don't want to treat people like cattle. Well, I am so glad I wasn't in New Orleans oh or Lafayette. Or just the surrounding area, Mississippi, the whole area was devastated. But you know what was interesting was the fact that it was the community that came together. Right. Despite the government, right. you know, telling them you can't set up here, you can't set up there. And it was the community and he said the faith-based organizations exactly. that really helped the patients. Well, I know that the Centers for Medicaid Services really recognized the kidney community for its leadership in, you know, responding to such, you know, kidney disease. People who are on dialysis is the most critical population next to probably somebody who's on oxygen. Um, and really responding to them and being able to take care of masses of patients quickly. I mean, they had to, you know, dialysis takes water. It's very complicated. And to think that they were able to just turn things on a dime. I know that different companies had trucks waiting to come in with supplies, and they had all these disasters plans in place. And I think what's so encouraging is to just think all the people who are working behind the scenes when something does happen. And, you know, we didn't see those people on the TV. We didn't. We didn't no, see we, those people. Right. And, and, you know, I also wondered if, you know, if an earthquake, like we, I, we mentioned on the interview, that you know, you don't get a warning with earthquakes. Right. It just happens. How we would fare in the earthquake states. Well, I think that, you know, we need to have that as a future topic for a show and really talk about it because they had warning. You know, we wouldn't have any warning. And you, you think about it, you know, do you have enough meds with you if you're in your car? Um, do you have the right shoes? I mean, if you're wearing flip-flops and there's a disaster, you need to have tennis shoes in your car. Right, and the right right color shoes because you don't want them yes, to clash. Yes, you want to you look good. Right, and your purse, too. <laughs> purse has and, to match the shoes. And having cash. I mean, that was one of the biggest lessons that I always like to have cash. Because, you know, the ATM machines don't work. And being able to have, you know, some money with you, uh, some, I guess, emergency money. I know that's sometimes hard to have a little extra money, but emergency money I keep money some emergency money with me at all times. I stick it in my underwear. In your underwear? So nobody will steal it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, then nobody's ever be... going to go into my underwear. <laughs> but yeah, it's so important um, 
to change your underwear, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's what my mom always told me, because you never know when there's going to be a disaster, and you, you end up in a hospital. You always have to have clean I know, underwear. I you got to have clean underwear. But, yeah, I think that I would like to encourage everybody who's listening to the show, on our website, rsnhope.org, we have a guide on what to do um, if a disaster hits that's prepared by um, Centers for Medicaid Services, preparing for a disaster for dialysis patients. It's a wonderful manual. You can download it. Um, you should actually print out two copies. Keep one with you in the house and one with your emergency kit so you know what diet you should eat. That's so important. The key is to be prepared. Or you can email us with a comment or question at kidneytalk at rsnhope.org. And you can tell us where you hide your cash. <laughs> we can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Estellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.